You're listening to Acupolitics. What is this Acupolitics, you ask? It's a Harry Potter reread podcast focusing on politics in the wizarding world. I'm Adri, one of your hosts, and a recovering English major, gently asking delivery apps to create a quiz that makes recommendations of places based on your mood. Okay, this is like a hundred million dollar idea. Like, why aren't you? You should actually pitch this to like app developers. Okay, Allison, take that out. <laughs> Just kidding, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> it's my trade secret. No, honestly, this is a great idea. I like this. Okay, so I had a very, very bad day at work. Like, one of those days uh, following a week of like building tension where you're like, am I. Am I a character in a sitcom? Why do these stakes keep getting worse? But also, like, better also in a way. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> so I was, like, infuriated by the day because I was like, oh, my God. And then I, I you know, Seth was like, I'm going to go order Thai food. And he knows I don't eat Thai food. So I was like, fine, whatever. So I opened my app and I'm like, you know what would be great if Uber Eats or DoorDash or whoever was like, are you feeling angry and vengeful? These are the restaurants we suggest you try. <laughs> or if there was just like a randomizer, you know, like I don't want to think about what I want for dinner tonight. Just tell me what I want. Exactly. But like based on the mood, right? Like just like I'm feeling yeah. a sense of ennui. Oh, you know what pairs well with ennui? These options. Are you drunk? Here's Taco Bell. That's all you need. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, enough of that. My name is Pauline. I'm your other host, producer, and honestly pleasantly exhausted from what's starting to kind of shape out to be a much more normal summer than whatever the fuck 2020 was. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be hot facts summer, and that's kind of had mixed results, you know, thanks to the general public's apathy to get vaccinated, I guess. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mixed bag, but not as bad as 2020. No, not nearly as bad as 2020. Also, I sure. want to, rec- I know we're not talking about media yet, but since we're talking about how terrible 2020 was, there is a song that's called Fuck 2020 that's like become my jam. Okay, where can we find this song? It's on Spotify. No worries. Let me let me find the artiste that came up with this jam. I will definitely. One of the things that my TikTok algorithm has picked up on me is that I like like original songs. Like people will write and perform original songs in TikToks on the app, and I've been getting so many recommended to me in the last like week. And uh, so it's been nice to see just like an influx of original music coming my way. Perfect. I did thoroughly enjoy that. Please go to Spotify, YouTube, Pandora. Whatever you're using these days, you youngins and not youngins, it's by Avenue Beat and it's F2020. 2020. Heck yeah.
that is a glowing recommendation. We are not sponsored by Avenue Beats. Although if you would like to sponsor us, feel free. <laughs> feel free. You can even become a patron, honestly. We're not we're yes. not picky here. All right, I think I think we're getting off track here. Uh, <laughs> not like we have talked about anything Harry Potter so far. No. On today's episode, we will be talking about chapter numero dos, chapter two, Spitter's End of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. This is the one where Narcissa Malfoy goes to visit Snape to ask him for a favor, which, I mean, we as readers know what the favor is uh, because we've read the books before, but like in the context of the chapter, we don't know what the favor is. Bellatrix follows her to convince her sister not to trust Snape, but is is eventually convinced by him herself when he agrees to an unbreakable vow. Is she convinced or is she surprised that he went along with it? Eh, I mean, he tells that whole story, you know, of everything from his perspective, and maybe that convinces her, or at least helps, but I don't know. Oof. Quien sabe? Well, but before yeah, I was, we was going to say, I think, <laughs> Helene, you had a Potter watch situation. Yeah, I just had a small itty bitty thing <laughs> that I wanted to just... Just sneak in there before we get into our discussion. Well, 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 I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I cannot. The thing that, the little thing that you mean to sneak in is literally shaped like a penis. Exactly. Yes. And listeners, for for those for those of you who are like, what the fuck are they talking about? I wanted to discuss very briefly, very uh, uh, this today's segment of. Billionaires in space, aka Jeff Bezos, his, his stupid fucking rocket looks like a dick. I was I was gonna say like billionaire dicks in space, maybe. I mean, it it's a nice double mm-hmm. meaning. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Just wanted to toss it out there, you know, for people who are you know thirty years in the future listening to this podcast around this time, July twenty first, twenty twenty one. Which is the day of recording. I'm sorry, but like, um, or what if like 30 years from now they're listening to like whatever digital audio is and they're listening in Mars colonies, you know, like they're like, this is where it started. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's very possible. Hello, future civilians of Mars. Um, this is our very first like reactions to. Billionaires Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos shooting themselves off into space as billionaires who could be using all of that money for God knows anything else in the entire world. But instead, they're deciding to do send private citizens to space because for some reason that's like important to them. I don't get it. I, I mean, one of my favorite jokes to come out of this is that <laughs> there was a article that called uh, Jeff Bezos the richest human or the most wealthy human in the world. And like someone tweeted that I was like, they had to say that because of Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I, my mind actually went to, they had to say that because they had to confirm that Jeff Bezos is indeed human. You know what? It could go either way. And not some sort of weird. <laughs> not some sort of weird alien unlike, unlike Ma- Mark Zuckerberg you mean <laughs> yes exactly um. but yes I mean you can't take the title away from Scrooge McDuck as the most 
as the richest life form. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I laughed so hard with that joke. Yeah, that was that was pretty well crafted joke there for sure. But enough about billionaires and their tiny penises and large penis metaphors. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I saw pictures when I first saw pictures of the. The spacecraft, <laughs> let's just call it that, I guess. Um, I was like, this is a joke, right? Like, this is someone, someone photoshopped the, this. You know, yeah, like, it, it just was... looks like a, like a, like a I parody mean, movie, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, like, like, it's hard to make <laughs> hard. a rocket. <laughs> But I'm sure it's difficult to make a rocket not look phallic because, you know, the basic shape is pretty phallic in general. Yeah. But like, you, did you have to That's give what it, I was like, saying. Like, there's sleek like, and phallic and then there's like mushroom head. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it looked like um, Dr. Evil designed it. I, I honestly believe this. Yeah. Yeah. So last week we talked about... Yes, I was just going to say that. Things. I was like, and this week we're talking about Jeff Bezos's beautiful, not so beautiful. I don't know why it's a beautiful because <laughs> that's just not how I would describe it. Um, the phallic <laughs> contraption. <laughs> I, I don't know I'm why. Start wheezing anyway. <laughs> let's let's move on to Harry Potter because. I can't think about Jeff Bezos for one more freaking second. Jeff Bezos isn't in this chapter, right? Like, don't have to worry about running into him in this chapter. It'd be embarrassing if we did. Season Ugh. six is shaping out to be a very spicy season for acupolitics. It really is turning into acupolitics <laughs> after dark. But which is fine because like the sixth book is definitely like a bit more adult. So we are fine. maturing alongside with the books. Exactly. <laughs> well, acupolitics after dark aside, because that we're done with that segment for now. I hope, <laughs> unless <laughs> unless something. We'll see what the chapter holds. <laughs> we'll see. Let's talk about so so. It's been I mean it's been a while since I read this chapter. When you read it and in thinking about like the politic, what came to what was the one thing that came to mind, or did many things come to mind? Like, what was that for you? Um, I went through a couple. The very first thing that jumped into my mind was like child soldiers with like mm-hmm, Malfoy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being used as like at, like to fulfill a job for Voldemort that he just you know wants to endanger Malfoy okay. by doing, uh, but. But I think that it kind of shifted more towards, like, I, I kind of started drawing these parallels between this chapter and the last chapter, which was the other minister, where we got to see the entire series, basically, through Fudge's perspective. And I started realizing this chapter is basically the same, because we get to see the entire series through Snape's perspective, but it's weird because it's like a Snape, it's like an altered perspective. Like, we get to, we see the chapter through Snape's perspective that he is trying to sell to the death eaters like we see it like he's he's retelling the story as though he has been on Voldemort's side this entire time and explaining all of his actions as though he has been like this spy for Voldemort even though we know that 
that's not true. I mean, obviously reading it for the first time, we would be like, this would be the chapter where you'd be like, oh yeah, Snape is 100% evil. Like, there's no- well, both things can no be true. Like, he can be an evil piece of shit and still be- Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, no. like, like the question, the question that everybody had when this book came out was like, is Snape good or evil in terms of like, is he on Dumbledore's side or is he on Voldemort's side? So like, this chapter, reading it for the first time, not knowing what happens at the end of Deathly Hallows- this is the chapter where everybody was like, oh, yeah, Snape's totally oh, a, a death yeah, eater. He's yeah, totally yeah. on Voldemort's side. Um, so, like, <laughs> you would think reading it for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, so this is telling the series through Snape's eyes instead of Fudge's, like in the last chapter. But it's not really telling the story through Snape's eyes. It's telling through the story, like, how he thinks Bellatrix and Narcissa want to hear it. Yeah, Snape is always performing for an audience, right? Like, he... We see him at Hogwarts in a certain way. Now this is a different light. This is like Snape after dark. <laughs> <laughs> so many after darks. Yes. Well, then because that like stood out so much to me, then my politic kind of shaped into espionage. So that's the that's the politic I chose because it's really showcasing Snape being a an, a spy. Um, whether it's through the perspective of this chapter. Um, as a spy for Voldemort, or as we know it as the reader, a, a double agent for for Dumbledore. Yeah, it's funny uh, because both Dumbledore and Voldemort believe him to be a double agent, but only one of them is right as to which direction he truly leans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I know I'm going to say this before any, any of the listeners, you know, get all hot and bothered. I know we already did espionage. Ario, our wonderful guest host, did espionage, but that was in book five. And this we is a clean slate. Made an this agreement. Clean slate. Yes, we can. We can use any politic we choose once per book, not once per series. And I mean, so... we would have had to cancel the <laughs> podcast, you guys, or I would have broken yes. up the, the thesaurus and be like. Mm, I want to say it's um, the politics of power. What is another synonym for power? <laughs> yeah, like instead of espionage, I probably would have just said the politics of spying. <laughs> the, <laughs> like... <laughs> the, the politics of covert operations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> covert ops, yes. It, so yeah, I know that, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great use of the politic when Ario used it back in book five, but... I couldn't think of a better use for that politic in this book than this. Oh, that's that's a really interesting one. I I think when I read this one, the first thing that stood out to me, I was like, "Wait, is this the first and only time there's a character, there's a point of view that isn't Harry's twice, like like in a row, in a book?" Yeah, there are there are very few chapters I think throughout the entire series that are not written through Harry's perspective, and this is one. Yeah, of but them. it's like the only one that follows another chapter that was not written in Harry's perspective either. And yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah. It's this book is starting off like you don't get Harry until chapter three. She really makes you work for it. She's getting she's getting devious, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Then, I, you know, I, I was trying to figure out what was the undercurrent that kind of tied the entire chapter together. And as you pointed out earlier, Helene, it's all about, like, his performance of the dutiful, like, Death Eater that stands out as the main driver of 
the chapter because if yeah. Narcissa didn't believe in his original performance, she should she wouldn't even be seeking his help. Like there's no action right. without him being that. So instead of espionage, which I think is a wonderful politic for this, I thought more about the politic of intent. Like everything Snape says is the truth, but he lets them conclude for him. He doesn't try, he doesn't tell them the whole story. He just tells them enough of the truth to fill in those gaps for them. And they come to the conclusion, right? Like he doesn't intend, quote unquote, to lie. But really, the effect is he lies, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's something that Snape has had to definitely perfect the terms, of, like the intent behind his words. While like lying without yeah. actually lying, he's had to he's had to perfect that because both Dumbledore and Voldemort are such experienced legilimens. I feel like you have to be able to. It's they're like human lie detector tests, yeah. right? And he, that's like a perfect way for him to navigate. Yeah, he found he found all the loopholes, you know. Right. So, yeah. like when you're yeah, so when I you're like talking that. about the politics of espionage, what like specifically are you thinking about as a definition? Yeah, so the espionage is defined as we've kind of we kind of alluded to it, but the, it's defined as the practice of spying or using spies, uh, typically by governments to obtain political and military information. So obviously, Snape we learn in this book, um, and then confirm in Deathly Hallows which side he's on that he has been deep undercover spying for either Voldemort or Dumbledore the majority of his life since wow. he graduated like, you know um, Hogwarts, so, so, basically. honestly maybe i'm just a hater but i never thought of him that deeply <laughs> i was like oh wait yeah that's true huh oh that must be like a terrible existence but then i'm like eh, whatever <laughs> like just i mean and this is why he like he's the perfect slytherin because of this because his only intention for doing this, this his entire life is to survive. Slytherins have like this, this like need to just survive no matter what, and he has artfully survived both of two of the most powerful wizards of all time uh, by skillfully playing both of them at one yeah, point or another. That's true. Man, it's pretty good. I mean, I have, I still have no respect for Snape whatsoever, but, no, but, but like, it's, it's but interesting you know to what, think about. Though? Like what I really love about rereading this for the show, not just because I get to like talk to you every week and like hear from our listeners, but it's because in many ways I have to think about the series in such a different way and think about the characters in such a different way. That sometimes it'll give me a little bit more perspective on a character that I dislike still, but like where I can have more empathy for the character and what they went through. I still remember like thinking this like a a deep cut throwback from for like season one, like way back when (laughs) that that first moment happened with me for me with Petunia, where I was like. When I read this as an adult, like, you know, for the podcast for the first time again, after not reading 
Sorcerer's Stone for a long time, I was like, wait, this a lot, like, what if she didn't want more children? And like, what if she had postpartum? And like, this is just like a Mm -hmm. very complicated form. Like, I'm not saying that that's okay that she treated Harry the way she did and she's an abusive parent figure, but I can still, like, two things can be true at the same time. I could still understand that, hold that truth, but also make room for the possibility that even though that is the truth, she may also have other struggles that, you know, human beings have. Yeah, I think that while this, obviously this podcast is reading the series through a political lens, I think it's also really reading it through a deeply, like, adult Yeah, of course, yeah. Like, because when you read, when normally when we read the books, obviously when we read them through the first time, and when we read reread them as adults, we use it as like we're reading it through the lens of like innocent it, children like escapism, who enjoy like, these books. Escapism. Oh my escapism. god, I don't know words anymore. <laughs> escapism. Yes, I knew what you were trying to say. <laughs> but yeah, we would we read the books. Usually, we read the books as like a form of escapism, as you know, just not thinking too deeply about these mm-hmm. types of themes, but. Reading it for this podcast, it's we get to kind of view it as objectively from like a mature adult standpoint, which lets you see things. Uh, well, from a when lot you more said adult, angles. I thought like after dark, and I was like, sure, 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 well, sure. Too. We talked about sperm. <laughs> yeah, but not not ex- not you know, only sex, obviously. But like, <laughs> I was trying to make a joke <laughs> like, a- about adult because like yes. I'm not mature. <laughs> So I'm like, adult, like, does not mean mature, right? Because, like, I'm still, I think I peaked at 14, you know? No, no you are mature. I mean, I'm, I'm what they I... called as a child an old soul. I don't know if you got that too, which means, like, I did, yeah. you're quiet and complain and, and, and don't complain that much, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or that you're like, you question things more than a normal child would, you know? Which I think is what helps us kind of dig so deeply into these books is we're questioning like, oh, why did this person act the way they acted? You know, why was like, this what's, person like a, a just like Just like a, <laughs> a character actor would say, what's my motivation? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay, let's get into let's go into our deep dive quotes because I really want to hear what moment for you was like. This is what I mean by espionage. Yes, the quote that I chose has like a big, large middle part that I cut out. So just so you know, I took the beginning and then <laughs> ending of this quote because that's like what was relevant. Um, Did you take our artistic licenses here? <laughs> I did. I didn't change it. I just kind of snipped it a little bit. But but with our earlier uh, conversation (laughs) about certain rocket ships, I mean... Oh, goodness. I am Jewish. Anyway, um, (laughs) the quote is so. And through all this, we're supposed to believe Dumbledore has never suspected you, asked Bellatrix. He has no idea of your true allegiance. He trusts you implicitly still. I have played my part well, dot, 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 insert middle of paragraph that I cut out. 
But through all these years, he has never stopped trusting Severus Snape. And therein lies my great value to the Dark Lord. Hmm. This quote, it just so beautifully illustrates the the fact that that Snape has been, you know, spying for Dumbledore, or in this case, Voldemort this entire time. Uh, and therefore, you know, in in uh, what is it called? Participating in espionage, partaking in um, the covert operations. Exactly. What about you? Was there like a specific quote or moment that really stood out for you in terms of intent? Well, before we get to that, I did want to say that that quote that you chose, Snape uttering that those words like that long speech of like truth, like truths that were, you know, true enough, but also held back a little. But it was like uh, it was balancing on a knife's edge type situation reminded me or like put in mind of like to me of a gymnastics uh performance in the olympics where you're like one wrong move and you're like done basically and he executes that so flawlessly that even if you hate the guy you're like man props to you like this this mfr yeah he could go to the olympics for spying (laughs) If spying was an Olympic sport, he would take home the gold. The CIA Olympics, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Helene, we just had another million dollar idea. We gotta stop giving these away, man. The more, we gotta get some more of these, because the more (laughs) we have, the closer we are to becoming Jeff Bezos. You mean Jeff Bozo, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, my quote was um, part of like that whole defense, Snape defends himself in court and is his own lawyer type situation. Um, You ask why I did not attempt to find him when he vanished. For the same reason that Avery, Yaxley, the Caros, Greyback, Lucius, he inclined his head slightly to Narcissa, and many did not attempt to find him. I believed him finished. I am not proud of it. I was wrong. But there it is. If he had not forgiven we who lost faith at the time, he would have very few followers left. Yeah, I like how he uses that moment to like, show vulnerability vulnerability and honesty there because that's going to make them believe him even more even if he like even if that's not the truth for him like it makes him look bad in their eyes which is like why would it makes them question why would he admit to that if he's not telling the truth well but also i think that is the truth from his point of view but he's not telling them all of the truth yeah no i agree i agree but like it was just a very smart move on his part to to admit which, to that when he knows that it's going to make him which look makes a it bad. even more infuriating that he's so terrible to Neville and Harry and all these people because like that shows a distinct amount of emotional intelligence so it's not that he doesn't yeah. know any better it's that he doesn't still does it anyway yeah he knows better but he doesn't care. and yeah. because to play some people like that and uh, you know, have that restraint to not outright lie and to, you know, do all the things that he does. 
I again, that is a huge sign of emotional intelligence. I Ugh. agree. All right. So I think it looks like we We both have the same character for obvious um, reasons. Yeah, we <laughs> yes, we both chose the same character again. Last chapter we both chose Fudge, obvious reasons. This chapter it looks like we both chose Mr. Snape. M- Mr. Mr. Um, Emotional <laughs> Intelligence over there. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, both of our politics revolved around him. He's the biggest character in the chapter. Um, well, in terms of like speaking well, role. <laughs> the thing for me with intent also is like even when he makes the unbreakable vow, he intends to keep it, but just not in the way that Narcissa believes him to keep it. Right. So part to me, part of this whole thing is he withholds a lot and lets people draw the conclusions that benefit him. And he in that way, he's able to carry his own agenda and live by his own rules. Yeah, I mean, freaking clever. Gotta give him like that. you know, I was listening to the the word for the words of the vowel this time around, as I was thinking about this right. politic, and I was like, you know what? Like he did not break any of these vows, and I could see how he could say yes to this and find a way to stay to the letter of the vow, but still get around Narcissus' intent. Yeah. Yeah, it was worded pretty perfectly, and it's pretty pretty um, lucky that he had this conversation about like getting Dumbledore's consent to kill him if needed before this happened, because he'd be kind of in a between a rock and a hard place if he did not know whether or not he should that he could actually kill Dumbledore. Um, because if if Dumbledore wasn't like in on the plan, I don't think Snape would have succeeded in killing Dumbledore. So. Yeah, he would have been in, you he, know, between an astronomy tower and death, honestly. But, you know, that's spoiler uh-huh. alert. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So Snape, he's he's our guy for this chapter, I guess. Oh, my God. But that just like gave me like the weirdest <laughs> flashback to Aladdin. Like Jafar, Jafar, he's Why? our guy. <laughs> Oh, weird. That is a very strange connection well, to make, but your brain works in mysterious, mysterious ways. and wonderful <laughs> ways. Like, because, you know, you said he's our guy. And I was like, that's what the genie said about Jafar. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, talking about Snape, when I think about espionage throughout the entire book, um, obviously my mind goes to him because. He is skillfully playing the double agent this entire book by performing acts that convince Voldemort he's on his side while actually still working for Dumbledore all along. Um, for example, killing Dumbledore. You think that that was something that was, you know, Voldemort's wish, but really Dumbledore also wanted him to do that. So, like, it's it's all very deep like double-sided espionage throughout the entire book. Everything he does is to hold up this lie that he is on Voldemort's side. Uh, You know, it's just hard to be a wizard of a certain age 
in in this series, I guess. Because there was like the war, and then before that was Grindelwald. I don't know. I don't know how the wizarding world does it. Oh, guess what? We have worse problems. Anyway, <laughs> for me, throughout the book, intent is very big for me because when you think about Snape in this chapter, he's legitimately doing what Dumbledore does with Harry. Like, he conceals his intent until the very end, basically, and even then leaves some things mysteriously unsaid. <laughs> True. But never truly yeah. outright lies to Harry about anything. He just doesn't tell him the whole story. Which Dumbledore is also That's what I'm saying. It's like... What Snape was doing is what Dumbledore has been doing all along. <laughs> it was Dumbledore all, all along. Yeah. Instead of Agatha. It was Dumbledore. All <laughs> there along. you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I wonder if, you know, Snape kind of learned some skills in that area from Dumbledore. You know, he learned from the best. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I also need to say that I need someone to recreate the Agatha all along theme song to Dumbledore all along with like Dumbledore <laughs> being cheeky and being like, I, you know, like I did that too kind of thing. I mean, it, it, it fits so well. The number of syllables, Agatha, Dumbledore, it fits. You got, it works. You gotta, you gotta now, make it. See again, another million dollar idea. Oh my gosh. We're up to 3 million. <laughs> you guys. We're millionaires. <laughs> Look at us, moguls, entrepreneurs. <laughs> the Fred and George Weasley of the muggle world, you might say. Of the muggle podcasting Harry Potter specifically world. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, we've come to another pair in our discussion. Not Fred and George Weasley, but Dementors and Chocolate. Yes. So, um, Adri, what was the Dementor that stood out to you in this chapter? What what didn't you quite like? You know, there's chapter? a lot of things to not like in this chapter. Let me tell you, I had Dementors left, right, and center. But upon reflection, <laughs> and I'm not saying that I am defending this other character, because I am not. The way that Snape is treating Wormtail goes beyond cruelty to um show off in front of your death eater friends kind of thing like yeah like i'm just in super deep cover you know he is doing this supposedly because he, he's in you know deep cover and you know he's inf he's the cop infiltrating the gang right but he is also doing it because it deeply satisfies him because wormtail's wormtail was friends with you know all the guys that he hated. Yeah. Yeah, he was a marauder. Yeah, he takes he takes any opportunity to shit on a marauder that he can possibly Ugh. find. Yeah. Uh, and it was very... Mine is actually very similar because he takes another opportunity to shit on another marauder, not Wormtail, at, the, at one point in this chapter, and it had me steaming, where he congratulated Bellatrix for killing Sirius, and like... One could say, a Snape apologist might say, that he was just doing this to keep up appearances, to show that, you know, he's actually evil. He's not with the Order. He, you know, is on Voldemort's side. You know, and part of that, 
I think I could possibly agree with. But knowing their background, knowing their relationship, even when he was like at the headquarters for the Order of the Phoenix, I think personally, my take <laughs> is that he was completely genuine in that instance and not just playing his part. I think he was legitimately happy that she murdered Sirius and he was actually congratulating her because uh, he's uh, sick. Hot, that was a hot take that I fully endorse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Yeah. I think yeah, like, I mean some might disagree. I think at the core of it, what we what, what you and I are getting at in this Dementor specifically is the fact that he would likely justify this talk with I was just pretending, if not, they wouldn't believe me. But we can see that he truly enjoys that portion of his deep cover, quote unquote. Yeah. And if it wasn't like, if he was congratulating Bellatrix for killing someone else in the order, I might say like, yeah, he probably was just playing a part or I might be more easily convinced that he was, but he so despised Sirius and Wormtail and, but he so despised Sirius in life that I think he genuinely was like happy when he died. Like, I mean, I, I would be interested to hear anybody's counter on that uh, because I, I can't see him mourning Sirius for one minute. For once, I'd just like someone to ask me to infiltrate a cupcake factory and then I'll like stuff my face with cupcake and I'll be like, I was only eating cupcake because it's part of my deep cover. It's not that I like cupcake. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Is it so hard to act when you when know, you truly you, you truly enjoy, enjoy what you're doing? Uh if if you enjoy what yeah. you do, you'll you will never work a day in your life, or so I'm told. Right, exactly. But talking about <laughs> cupcakes, uh there are there are usually some some ones that are made out of chocolate. I have a couple of chocolate cupcakes uh in, in my kitchen ah, right rude, now. Rude. Um, this is so, a hate crime. I know I'm kind <laughs> I'm kind of like now really craving them and want to eat them when we finish recording. But that is for something for me to look forward to. And something for me to envy. <laughs> this is a hate crime. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I'm sorry we're so far away or else I would send you it's a chocolate okay. cupcake. But it's fine. Speaking of chocolate cupcake, <laughs> cupcakes, <laughs> what, uh, what, what is your chocolate cupcake this chapter? <laughs> what is something that you hold dear? Say chocolate cupcake chapter go ahead what is your chocolate cupcake chapter <laughs> chapter chocolate cupcake because you <laughs> what did i did you, i say it wrong you, the first you time? almost said and you caught yourself <laughs> you almost said chup cake <laughs> chocolate chup cake chapter mmm <laughs> chup cakes <laughs> oh well Tell me what your cupcake is. <laughs> so, I really struggled. <laughs> Whereas Dementors were present left, right, and center, I was expecting more of like a hefty morsel of chocolate to like, you know, take the blues away. And all I found was like 
a mini teeny tiny like semi-sweet mini baking chip on the floor between the baseboards <laughs> of his shitty house. And that is that we got to see a different side of Snape? Question mark? And his house? That's it. Okay. So this wasn't your favorite chapter, I bet. Well, it's not that I hate it. I don't hate the chapter objectively or or even subjectively. I just don't find a lot in this chapter to celebrate. I agree. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer chapter for sure. Um. I did kind of find a little bit of something to celebrate, but it's like I'm conflicted because uh, my chocolate is Narcissa Malfoy, um, specifically the way that we see her valuing her family over Voldemort and the Death Eaters for like the first time. Um, And I, I don't like agree with like Narcissa most of the time. I don't think she's a good person overall. I think that, you know, a racist is still a racist, even if they have family values or whatever. But um, I, I do, it was, it was just refreshing to see a Death Eater maybe not value Voldemort over everything else for a hot minute. Um, and obviously, like, her love and loyalty to Draco and her family um, overpowers anything that she feels for Voldemort and that is is ultimately what saves Harry's life at the very end of the series we get to kind of see it poke its head out a little bit here um, which I guess I can appreciate okay I mean I can see that I think <clears throat> I think I feel about this chapter the same way I do about Gone Girl which is all the characters in this shit are unlikable and I'm rooting for for nobody, but I'm still watching this movie or reading the book. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't necessarily like Narcissa at all. I don't, not even necessarily. I don't like Narcissa. I don't think that she's a morally like good character in any form. And it's literally the lowest bar for her to love her child more than she loves her, like, racist overlord. But she's the only one that we really see this from, so... Yeah, like, like again, like, like I said earlier to Helene outside of recording, the bar is literally in hell. And she rises slightly yeah. above that bar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So... I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of, I feel like it's strong to say it's a chocolate, but it's like the one thing in this chapter where I was like, I don't hate this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so there we go. Again, it's like being like, Taco Bell isn't that bad, you know? Uh, after it's food. Yeah, it's, it's, food. it's edible. <laughs> <laughs> it's salty and it makes me feel okay when I eat it you know like especially if I'm drunk so therefore better than going hungry <laughs> exactly. <sighs> yeah no shade on Taco Bell I mean they supplied a lot many many a drunken 2 a.m um <laughs> quesadillas for drunk Adri and also college student Adri <laughs> who sometimes were both the same person college Adri and drunk Adri so 
usually those two people um, on my end often. Exactly. It's like the Venn diagram, but like super close together, like very thin edges on the outset. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. (sighs) Well, I guess that's our chocolate. It's not as lovely as other chocolates, but not every chapter is a winner on terms of like things that we love. It's like a 98% cacao, like super bitter chocolate. It maybe like dark and chocolate. not like really, really, really dark. And like chocolate. the baking one, not even the one that has actual sugar in it. Like unsweetened. Yeah, yeah, yeah like unsweetened chocolate. Yeah. Well, cacao. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't thank our patrons before we move on from this lovely bitter chocolate um conversation the patrons really do have a lot of sugar and they're like the most excellent of like swiss chocolates you know what i mean yes the girardelli of chocolates if we may (laughs) or you know something more expensive quien sabe anyway they make it like a dive they make it possible for this podcast to continue coming on week after week full free on the main feed and then you know they also get some uh bonus content for being patrons every episode yes so if you hop on over to patreon.com slash accuopolitics uh you can get some really cool stuff like we mentioned so for two dollars a month you're gonna get access to the bonus content that we create specially for you every single episode and then five dollar and ten dollar month tiers get you some physical rewards every three months that just so you guys know, I've seen a little bit of a sneak peek uh, of the stickers coming up, and they're freaking sweet. I am so excited. I for mean, them. I'm excited, and like I'm the one making them, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which is usually yes. not that I don't enjoy making them, but like I feel like the more we we do them. And, like, we brainstorm the ideas of what it should be. And, like, then, you know, I come up with a concept. Then I'm, like, I'm like you know what? One, I'm getting better because, obviously, that's what happens when you practice. And also, I am obsessed with these. <laughs> Adri- oh, in case you were unaware, listeners, Adri does design and create all of the physical patron rewards herself, which um, is freaking awesome just by itself. But also, like... Her design skills are next level, and you are going to want to to get in on these stickers. Also, we're branching out on a few new color palettes, if I may. Oh. You know? Because, oh. like, you know, yep. we first started with, like, very traditional, like, uh, you know, Hogwarts-like colors. But now we're uh, coming on to more of a millennial vibe, I feel. Yes. And not that this is a <clears throat> hint and clue about what one of the stickers might be, but I think that our ideas are getting a little spicy. <laughs> it's spicy. <laughs> it's spicy. <laughs> well, Helene, what is today's Patreon content uh, that our patrons are going to get a bonus to? Yes, yeah, so if you are a patron and you uh, listen to the Patreon exclusive content for this episode, today we are going to discuss a little bit in depth. Uh, Makuza, the Magical Congress of the United States, and 
we are going to kind of just jump into little details that you might not have known about it. Um, there's this nice big long feature about Makuza on the Wizarding World website that gives you a little bit of knowledge. So I'm excited. This is going to be part one in a probably two-part series. And I can't wait to dig into it a little bit more. Well, okay. I'm excited to hear that. But before we get to that, we've got some uh, stuff to get out of the way. Don't we? I don't want to get out of the way. <laughs> I'm excited well, for this no, no, part. No. It's actually one of my favorite parts every episode. I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait to get to the question and the answers because I can't. I I just like listening. Uh, you know, yes. to I, honestly, I wish we got voicemails. You know, yeah. And uh, again, hint, hint, that, listeners. Again, that uh, phone number where you can leave us a handy dandy voicemail. It is uh, 915-996-1699. Yes. And as we mentioned before, go straight to voicemail. No, you know, worries of having someone pick up and having some awkward conversation. Just call us, leave us a voicemail, and your beautiful voice could be on this podcast. So we want to Honestly, hear you. if you do want to have awkward conversations and that's why you won't leave a voicemail, let us know because maybe we're just pitching this all wrong. <laughs> maybe well last week we asked our listeners the following question what could the ministry of magic do to improve the muggle world what was the answer we got a, a few answers i i narrowed it down to two of uh contradictory i guess uh viewpoints so uh, the first one is from Tested iPotter underscore podcast on Instagram. They said uh, the Ministry of Magic could develop port keys that were also suitable for moguls, which would be freaking awesome. Because I'm, I'm guessing this person, like myself, hates traveling. And if I could have one superpower, I, I, like the one thing I want from the Wizarding World is the ability to apparate so that I don't have to ever pay for a plane ticket or sit in a car for 10 hours ever again mm. well i thought also the thing that you also wanted was the time turner so that you could ex further expand your powers of being able to binge watch series no see i don't need the time turner um, if i wanted to use it for something other than binge watching tv shows then maybe but i don't need the time turner to get through five seasons of a tv show and like Yes, um, this is concerning, honestly, but <laughs> I think that you do have a time turner. It's that it's inside you all along. The magic was inside you all along. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tested iPotter underscore podcast had this wonderful idea for um, how the Ministry of Magic could help improve the Muggle mm -hmm. world. Um, this other answer, however, from Nathan... K Asprowicz, I'm sorry, I, I Nathan Kasperwicz, I, I I'm I'm butchering that. I am but so sorry. You know Nathan. what, listeners? Um, to to be frank, she did so much better than I would have. So again, the bar <laughs> is in hell, but she rose above it. <laughs> we're just we're just gonna call him Nathan. Nate, Nate, hey, buddy, bud. Nate on Instagram. Hey, bud. <laughs> He Nate on Instagram says, uh, in response to our question, nothing. The worlds should remain separated. 
only necessary interactions are during major crises. What do you think about that one, Adri? Do you agree? That's a, with me? that's a hot take I don't agree with, Helene. And that's okay. I agree I, with I you. Mean, yes. <laughs> that's okay. We can have, you know, differences yeah. of opinion, but I do not. Yeah, I was I was just a little I was surprised when I saw this answer. Um Nathan, I'm sure there are people out there who yeah, agree with you. Um, I mean, there are barely and and maybe and, and maybe that is the right answer. Maybe they're maybe they really should stay separate, stay separated for you know some really important reason. But in a perfect world where they wouldn't have to be separated for any reason, I think there definitely could be some improvement to, to be done on the Muggle world from the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't expect anyone to agree, or every, anyone or everyone to agree with like my views. Everything yeah. we say. Um, <laughs> like, usually I'm like the odd one out. So who knows? But yeah, I can see why some people would take that, you know, tack. And um, yeah, my tack is more about like, well, have we, have we tried? Or is it more about like, well, we're afraid and they will be afraid and then chaos will ensue. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a we had a variety of answers. Um, you know, some people think they should have intervene, intervened with the muggle world. Some people think they shouldn't. So these were just two that stood out to me. Um, and we loved hearing from you guys. So definitely keep keep up the responses here all right so this week we thought that we'd ask you the following question do you think snape hated sirius enough to want him dead or was he just playing the part in front of bellatrix yes let us know your thoughts can't wait all those uh, all these thoughts i know yes you you can uh tell us your thoughts by either emailing us at acupolitics at gmail.com Or you can, I am going to be posting this question on all of our social media platforms very shortly after the episode goes live, which is on Monday mornings now. So follow us at Accupolitics on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and uh, submit your answers there in a comment, or if you want to, you know, have it be private for some reason, uh, feel free to direct message us. And uh, we just want to know your thoughts. We want to read them on the episode. And uh, get get your opinions out there because we care about what you think. Oh, so excited. Well, that being said, it's time for us to talk about, to kind of circle back to our beginning where we don't talk about Potter things. <laughs> <laughs> Start without Potter and without Potter. <laughs> the Harry Potter <laughs> podcast experience. <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Potter. We love you, we Harry. We love you, we Harry. Do. But we also love other things or, you know, find other things we love to hate, not just Snape, you know? Exactly. What have you been watching, Helene? So it, after we recorded the episode last week, I, I thought I was like thinking about it and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't say this for my media. I'll have to wait and, and say it next week. So even though I technically have not watched this media this week, I wanted to make sure I mentioned it because I forgot last week, but I am talking, of course, about the wonderful new newest Marvel show, 
Loki on Disney Plus. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, Adri. I know that we were fans of WandaVision together, and I then also watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I didn't like as much. It was fine. It was good, <laughs> but it was it was no WandaVision. The, the <laughs> like quali- WandaVision yeah, set the, the bar quality. high. Like she did not <laughs> put the bar in hell. No way. No, no. She uh, she set the bar quite high, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like the themes were very good, but it was kind of a I, I just wasn't as interested in like the plot um, as much. But then we got the wonderful gift that is Loki, which just ended about like a week and a half or two weeks ago. Uh, six episodes. Absolutely loved it. We get to meet a bunch of like cool new characters and it really opens up like possibilities for like the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I just, I cannot recommend it enough. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it's, it's pretty great. I, I, you know, and, and uh, he is also, uh, this is the one thing I will spoil. Um, Loki does come out as bisexual in the show. And so he is like the one openly bisexual character in the Marvel universe as of right now. Um, I think they're going to follow suit with Valkyrie and in Thor love and thunder, if I'm being honest. Um, but it's great, and I was very excited about it. I really enjoyed the few episodes that I've been able to watch so far, so I fully endorse this. Yeah, and you can tell it, it was directed by a woman, and you can, like, really, really tell when when those decisions are being made by someone who has more consideration for, like, how females function in on a movie set or 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 a tv show i thought you were going to say that you could tell because the quality is there or like well yeah you know how they uh, this is my new like the new thing that i i i like to say like what men are funny men can be funny what (laughs) so it's just uh, getting representation of women behind the camera doing directing and being in like these high level positions on like these very high visibility TV shows is so important. And I honestly personally think that you can really, really tell yeah, the difference. Yeah. The media I've been consuming is female heavy, but like not probably in the best way. Um, I am once again back on my bullshit, you guys. Real Housewives <laughs> of Potomac came out last week, ready, like hot and ready to go. I it's been two explosive episodes. I am enthralled once again by these ladies. And I had been resisting watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because this is the season we find out Erica Jane is married to, you know, a trash human being and I didn't want to have to make up my mind where you know whether she knew or didn't know about, you know, his alleged crimes. And uh, Seth and I started watching it and ended up really enjoying it. It's the only, I think, Housewives season he's watched beginning to current episodes. Yeah. Really? Okay. He usually just kind of like zones in and out of episodes. Like he'll maybe watch like a few episodes of each franchise, but never like start to like an entire thing. I'm guessing he's enjoying it. He is enjoying it, it, but he's also, like, he's gotten to the point where, like, at first, because I was a little bit like him, like, I'll, you know, watch whatever, but not really follow it. 
And then you get to a point where it just enthralls you in a way that you cannot deeply describe. And um, I am slowly training him to be my perfect husband. I mean, he was pretty perfect to begin with, but now... I think I think I can I can say we've reached a new level of perfection. Oh goodness. I'm I'm so very happy for this step in your marriage. <laughs> you know, you've been you've been here by our side. <laughs> <laughs> I fully support hey, this. And it's it's uh every relationship is different. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, I think that's today. <laughs> that's it for today's episode. You can join us next week as we talk about chapter three of Half Blood Prince. It's titled "Will and Won't." Yes, and if you've enjoyed this conversation, which we truly hope you have, please take a second to give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. It helps new listeners find this, uh, find our show. That's all we really want is for new listeners to find us and for recent and existing listeners to be happy with the content that we put out. And if you are happy, we want to hear about it. And if you're unhappy, be kind. (laughs) That's all. Yes, that is all we can ask for. Please be kind. I feel feel like we're just like ending the Ellen DeGeneres show right now. Ew, no. Be kind. No. (laughs) I heard she treated her people badly. No. Well, she probably did. Mm -hmm. But she was, she did promote a message of kindness. She should have listened to herself. Man. Yeah. True. Well, until then, politics managed. Support this show by going to patreon.com slash archaeopolitics. Our patrons keep this show going. You can find us online at archaeopolitics.com and we are at archaeopolitics on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can email us your thoughts at info at archaeopolitics.com. Leave us a voicemail at 915-996-1699. And you might just hear yourself on the podcast. Adriana Wilson is the founder and creative director of the podcast. Helene Karp is the producer and social media manager. Allison Pullman is the audio wizard and editor who makes us sound so good. Cover art and physical rewards are designed by Adriana Wilson. The views expressed by the hosts and guests are expressly their own and not representative of their employers or associates. Occupolitics is part of the MuggleNet family of podcasts.